Hey, thanks for clicking subscribe or download on another episode of Play by Playcast. Listen, if you get a second uh, now or when the podcast is done or if you're driving, you know, when you get home, uh, <laughs> don't do it right now. If you could throw a rating or a review or throw some stars our way on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever it is you listen to your podcast, that would be huge. Uh, number one, it helps me know that people are listening and enjoying what we're doing here, which, you know, is good for making me feel better. But also, uh, it helps iTunes and all of our uh, podcast providers know that people listen and they enjoy it. It helps lift the podcast in the rankings. It helps show it to people that might be interested in listening to it uh, or listening to podcasts like it, things of that nature. Uh, It can only help the podcast out. Plus, maybe it gets us an advertiser or two in the future, which would be awesome because instead of this pitch right now, you could be listening to a Blue Apron advertisement. And then I could be like John Lovett and say, Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And that's like a dream of mine. So uh, throw some ratings <laughs> or throw some stars our way. I would really appreciate it. Uh, and the pod really appreciate it. appreciates it. And uh, that said, here's Play by Playcast. A uh, better way to become a sports broadcaster. And a better way to cook. This is Play by Playcast. Is that faster than a greyhound? The podcast about play by play guys. For play by play guys, by I'm told a play-by-play guy. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Now here's the host of Play-by-Play cast, Todd Bodet. Wait, the Motel 6 guy? We'll leave the light on for you. No, Joel Godet. Joe Godet. Joel. Joe. Joel? Joel, with an L. Okay, here's your host, Joel Godet. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. The 0-1, curve, socked in the air to right field. That's up, that's to the track, that's to the wall. A slam! Ball game! Davis wins it! They're going to mob him. They're going to mob him at home place. 58 episodes of Play-By-Play cast, and as Colt Cabana would say, today we are back in the studio. Apartment in the good old U.S. of A. Uh, thanks for bearing with over the last couple of weeks. Bearing with is not the right way to say it. I just, I don't know how to use computers, apparently. Uh, so, if you've been listening to the pod, uh, you know that I've, I've been away the last few weeks. So, the last three episodes, while I was traveling, uh, I all pre-scheduled to come out, which until then, I, I wasn't aware I could do. Uh, I, I've literally been uploading the episodes on Thursday nights or Friday mornings for the last 14 months. Uh, but the last three weeks, actually scheduled to uh, have them released on their own on the interwebs, and I promptly did it incorrectly. So uh, each of the last three episodes that are supposed to drop on Friday mornings promptly dropped at some point during the day on Thursday. So you got some some early play-by-play cast, but uh, we're back at it as scheduled here on Friday. And our guest for episode number 58 is the voice of the New York Mets and the voice of the UCLA Bruins. His name is Josh Lewin. I um, was supposed to meet Josh, actually, in New York City. We were going to do this sit-down in person uh, on Tuesday while I was traveling, while I was back home out east. Um, and then I couldn't actually make it happen. So my sincerest apologies uh, up front. But uh, Josh was kind enough to uh, to do it over the phone. And uh, we did get a chance to sit down this week and uh, for me to pick his brain, which I was really excited to do. Uh, first of all, because a Josh is really good, um, so it's always interesting to get insight from people that are, that are good at what they do. Uh, but also, Josh has has worked for a lot of people, um, and he has worked for a lot of people simultaneously. So there have been a lot of things written 
uh, about that with Josh Lewin, and we'll dive into some of it. Uh, tales of you know him trying to get from baseball games to football games or vice versa, and not making it. Uh, there was a preseason football game uh, where he uh, touched down uh, in an airplane like two minutes after kickoff, I think, of a Chargers preseason game, uh, and eventually did get there. That involved uh, partially running to the stadium. Uh, there's, of course, the story of Game 5 of the World Series where he chartered, he chartered his own plane. Uh, you can find that if you, you look on the internet. He, he, he pictured, documented the whole thing from the picture of he and his pilot in the two-man plane to the, the taxi ride or the, the car ride um, to City Field uh, for Game 5 of the World Series. So he's run into some crazy things like that. And uh, there's a lot of stories written about that side of it. I was more curious in, in how... He handles doing all of those things just from the broadcast perspective and the prep perspective and the making sure he's calling the right game perspective. So we're going to get into a bunch of that with Josh Lewin uh, and much, much more. Also, his rise through Major League Baseball because he, he's really been all over the map, uh, a lot of different places and a lot of different parts of the country, which has exposed him to a lot of different audiences and I'm sure a lot of different fan desires uh, and team desires and um We'll talk about all those different things uh, with Josh Lewin here on uh, this episode of The Pod. Uh, without further ado, though, let's get right into it. Uh, Josh Lewin is the voice of the New York Mets and the UCLA Bruins, and this week he is guest number 58 on Play by Play Cast. Well, you know, it, it's funny. I, it, it should be super confusing, and I, I don't know why it's not. Um, somehow it just all kind of stays in separate silos. You know, it's <laughs> like if you're... If you're around the UCLA people, it's like your your brain switches to that track, you know. And, and I guess that's the best way I can describe it. It's just, uh, you know, how does the four, the five, and the six subway all run in the same direction here in New York and never clang into each other? You know, I mean, they're technically going the same direction, but they're on different tracks. And that's, I guess, kind of how I look at it. And fortunately, though I should cross my fingers, I haven't yet had, you know, Philip Rivers homering the left center or, you know, any, <laughs> anything like that. But, um, yeah, the, the synapses fire correctly. I, I don't know how that is or why that is, but it just, it just kind of happens. How do you keep yourself organized? Um, and I mean, you know, like I, I'm in college football mode right now in terms of trying to get myself situated with what's what in the Mac and who's back and who's this and who's that. And obviously I'm sure there's a part of you that's in that mode for UCLA right now, but at the same time, you've got to be worried about, you know, what Jacob deGrom is going to do tomorrow. Uh, how do you balance those two? Yeah, I'm a, a good, I mean, almost uh, overdoing it planner. You know, just kind of anal about my day. I mean, I'm, you know, I still use an old-fashioned day planner, uh, you know, like the kind that you get at Staples <laughs> in December every year, and you got to write everything down. And I just, you know, take a ballpoint pen and, or, you know, a week or two out, I'll just kind of scribble with arrows, you know, okay, from, from this point in the day to this point in the day, I'm going to really need a UCLA block. And, you know, the Oakland A's are coming in. We haven't seen them in forever. I'm going to need a lot of prep time on them. So I kind of just backdate it. You know, all right, six days before the Oakland series, I need to save two hours a day to get up to speed on Oakland. And I just kind of follow those directions that I've laid out for myself. You know, I just kind of make myself an itinerary. And I stick to it. And, uh, you know, the key is just to not have anything sneak up on you. And that was kind of a, a fun 
challenge last year when, when the UCLA thing was added. And I think I accepted that job around June 5th. I think by like June 15th, I had already kind of looked at the schedules and said, okay, you know, there's no way with Mets on a Friday, UCLA on a Saturday, and Chargers on a Sunday that, I, you know, I mean, that's just going to be way too crazy of a week. So, you know, let, let's figure out what I can do just kind of on a bare minimum, say like on August 11th, a month out, you know, just to get some bare bones done for the, uh, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, just the, the, the very basics that I could already have laid out so that that week on my, my Wednesday and Thursday when I normally be prepping NFL, you know, I'm not doing 12 hours of it. I'm only doing six. You know, that, so I, I'm that anal about it, and that just really helps, you know, because I, I just kind of have some zen at that point that, okay, you know, as long as I stick to the schedule, I kind of know about how many hours it's going to take to to prep this correctly, and I just make sure that I've I've saved enough hours. What's your prep like? Um, and I know, like, for baseball, you've got folios on each individual player and, and such, but... Like for me, the first thing I always do is I lay out my board if we're talking football or basketball. Um, if you're prepping for something like that a month in advance, uh, what's the way that you do it and keep yourself organized and, and make sure everything sinks in? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you kind of study what you think is going to be on the test, so to speak. So, you know, I won't get into, uh, you know, the, the, the too deep thrill early because I don't know who those backups are necessarily going to be sure. going to be healthy, but you, but you, you do have a good idea of who the stars are. You know, I mean, like if I was prepping UCLA, I can go ahead and read everything for backstory. I can get my hands on, on Jim Mora and Josh Rosen sure. and the history of UCLA and just have all that already done, you know, and just go back to it and refresh myself when I need to. And then, you know, the, like I'm sure you do the couple or three days before the actual broadcast, that's when you're doing the nuts and bolts of, okay, yeah, you know, you're going to lay out your spotting board and try to figure out who's who and who does what. And I'll, you know, try to, it's so easy now to, you know, everything lives online. So yeah. either if you're doing University of Toledo or whatever, you know, you can go watch a couple of their games if you, if you really want to it's on YouTube. Um, so that makes it super easy. And even for, for NFL, I mean, I, I've had, and I, you know, I'm, I'm out of the Chargers business now a little earlier than I hope to be, but, you know, I was hoping to keep it going for one more year and then then back out. I kind of wanted to really help them push the, the boat off the dock, so to speak, in L.A. and, and then shut it down. But, um, you know, when I was when it was all three, to, you know, go on the, the NFL.com website and you can look at, you know, every highlight from the last several weeks before. You can look at that coach's film. You go on their team website and they got all kinds of stuff. So, it's really made it, you know, kind of like a, a direct delivery service where you don't really even have to do anything. It's not like you have to send away for, for tape and wait for some CD to arrive or not arrive. It's just, you know, you just go find it online. And it, it made my life a lot easier. You don't sleep much on airplanes, do you? No. And you know what? I, even if I wanted to, I just I found that I can't. You know, the, the only time I ever sleep on airplanes, honestly, is after after a game and the rush to the airport to get there on time and you've just done a game and your body just kind of, it's always like right as the plane's about to tag. So it's like those 15 minutes right before you're actually in the air. And then you know, your body just shuts down. You're just like, okay, dude, that's enough. And, uh, but I'll always wake up like as soon as the, 
the pilot comes on and says, okay, you know, we're level at 10,000 feet or, and then I'm just up. So, um, yeah, but, you know, but I find that really helpful though, because, you know, knowing that even if I wanted to sleep, I can't, and I've got a five hour flight, it's a gift, you know, it's five hours of prep where the phone's not ringing and nobody's getting sick and you're not running to the pharmacy and, you know, you're just, it's five hours of work. I don't want to dive too much into the actual travel aspect of it because I know that a lot of people talk to you about that, so you can find it if you, if you look. Um, but I am curious uh, what what it's like for you when, like when you chartered the plane to get to Game 5 in the World Series, or I read about the one time where, uh, like the Chargers preseason game where your plane had gotten delayed and touched down after kickoff and like you sprinted to the stadium. Um Right. What's what's going on in your mind when all of that's happening? And like, please God, let me get there in time. And and what that whole uh, sweat process is like. Yeah, I, I've gotten a little bit better about that. I mean, you know, I think earlier in my career, you, you, and this is just a wrong approach. It's just you know the thought that only I can do this. I have to be there. And that missing the first quarter of that one preseason game taught me. And it was a good lesson that the life will go on. You know, I mean, if somebody's <laughs> got to jump in there and fill in for whether it's an inning or a quarter or something, you know, the world doesn't end. And I had one of those uh, when I was doing Big Ten Network a few years ago, trying to get uh, it was simple. It's from New York to to Penn State, and uh, you know, I was going to drive it, but I'm like, nah, I'll fly it. I'll just go in first thing in the morning. It's easy. You, know, you just change planes in Philly, and you're right there. And um, yeah, everything just conspired. There were weather delays and mechanical, and I, I still got in. I think I landed in uh, Williamsport is where I ended up landing. Still with, like, you know, four and a half hours till game time. So I'm thinking, well, this kind of sucks. I won't get in in time to do my my usual prep, but at least I'll, you know, I'll rent a car and I'll go. I'll get there. And then this crazy um, snowstorm hit, I mean, just out of nowhere. And everybody on the highway is just fishtailing into the ditch and, you know, you're going 10 miles an hour. You don't do it too. You can't even see it. You, know, you can't see in front of your face. And I, I called the executive producer at BCN as I'm, you know, going 10 miles an hour. And I said, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to get it up to, to 15 miles an hour here. I'm gonna. I mean, I think I'm going to make it. But I, you know, I, I'm looking at my, at my watch, and it's a real race, and I just don't know. And you know, he told me he's like, we can always just pull the Penn State guy you know, radio guy out of his chair and pay him some money and have him do us a solid and do the game on TV and life will go on. You know, don't kill yourself or, you know, pull over, get a hotel if you need to. And I was just so taken by that where it's like, you know, I just always assumed you had to be a superhero. And, uh, you know, here's a boss that's basically telling you, you know, just the important thing is that you're okay. And I ended up, and I mean, kind of, kind of funny story now. It was an eight eight thirty eight tip at Penn State. And I pulled in the parking lot at 831 <laughs> and, uh, and literally it was like three degrees out. And I, I, you know, I hadn't peed in like five hours. So the first <laughs> thing I did was I peed on the side of the rental car in, in three degree temperature and ran inside and tying my tie. They, they had done the open from the studio in Chicago that I was you know, kind of keeping them current on where I was. But, um, so yeah, I didn't have to do an open. Uh, my tie was tied by 8.34. I was in the chair at 8.36, and they tipped at 8.38. And that's the closest I've ever come to just, you know, I mean, on, on something like this. But, you know, to your question, yes, I used to always constantly have nightmares about exactly that. You know, you put yourself in a situation where you're letting people down, 
because of your crazy travel. And, you know, this can't happen. You cannot let that get away from you. And what those couple of instances taught me is that, you know what, on the, the once every 10 years if something goes really crazy, people will understand and they'll forgive you. And, you know, life happens. And that, uh, I, I think, really, since that, Penn State event, even more than the uh, the Chargers one, it's just kind of put me in a better state. And look, I want to do my level best. I've scheduled accordingly. I gave myself a, a six-hour cushion, and that's all I can do, you know, and the rest of it isn't up to me. It makes a much better book, though, than just being a regular Yeah, guy. if I know, if there's, if there's wacky adventures, exactly. <laughs> um, it, I kind of want to walk through uh, your your career progression a little bit, too, if I can, just from the standpoint of, uh, you know, a lot of us in this industry want to obviously get to the highest levels, and and you want to you want to get to a major league baseball team. And you've been with five. Is this the, are the Mets the fifth? I yeah, I guess so. I'm trying. I mean, Orioles like I guess technically counts because I you know I filled in when I was at BAL. But I mean, for me, it's always Cubs, Tigers, Rangers, and and Mets. So yeah, four or five, depending on how you look at it. How do you get four major league baseball jobs? Like, what's the what's the secret? <laughs> well, I've not been very good at it the first three times or four times, I guess, part of it. Um, the uh, Well, I mean, the, the Orioles you know, opportunity was, was that that led to, to the Fox Network opportunity, and that was big. I mean, you know, I, I never get the, the Fox Network thing in my 20s if, if I'm not lucky enough to to have tapes from the Orioles to, to send them. And, you know, I got super lucky that Fox was looking for kids. You know, they were looking for kids in their 20s and 30s, and, you know, they, they ran out of guys with famous dads you know they they had <laughs> chip carry on board and they hadn't yet brought kenny albert on but they had tom brenneman and they had joe buck obviously and they needed one more chair to be filled but they still wanted to go young so i was really really lucky that that's what they were looking for and um yeah that kicked open every door you know from there because once you're on network tv they assume that you know what you're doing and you know what's funny is i was really i think way more qualified two or three years before that because I was actually doing baseball every day. Yeah. And, you know, developed some really bad habits by only working once a week and on TV, you know, as opposed to radio. So, um, you know, I had offers for a bunch of jobs that first year after I did Fox back in 97. And I really, at the time, felt like my game had flipped. You know, it's like I was, you know, you guys should have been calling me a few years ago when I was, like, you know, doing this every day. But that's, that's the problem in this business is nobody's going to call you at that point if you don't have the big resume. And that's the, the horrible catch 22 of this business, or, or at least it, it has been until lately, you know, and that's why it's so gratifying to see the Joe Davises and, uh, you know, I mean, he's probably the biggest example, but, you know, even Wayne Randazzo, who I work with, you know, I mean, came from essentially single A ball to the Mets, you yeah. know, and, and it, it, there is a turn now, which is great, where, it's a meritocracy. If you do a good job and, uh, you know, people speak highly of you and, uh, you know, you, you can actually get, get to where you want to get. But, um, yeah, I just, it, it was a, a weird kind of twisty route. But I mean, of, of the three jobs I was offered back in 97, 98-ish, uh, I probably chose the wrong one. I chose the Cubs because it was WGN and it was a big deal. And they promised me to being the heir apparent to Harry. And that was really uh, intoxicating, but it, it wasn't a good fit. I mean, Harry didn't want me there, and I, I don't blame him. You know, he, he wanted Chip, and that, if Chip's who they should have hired. I mean, that's, you know, totally self-evident when you when you look back on it. So uh, the Tigers kind of rescued me. I mean, it was a, 
a rocky year in Chicago. I don't think I was ready for that job, and it didn't help, obviously, that I knew I wasn't really wasn't really wanted there. So I kind of escaped to Detroit, and uh, that was fine. That was fun. You know, my my wife at the time uh, didn't love Detroit. You know, she was from Texas, and when the Texas uh, offer came, uh, you know, she kind of pushed me to, to go home, and uh, it just seemed like the right thing to do at the time. I didn't have anything bad to say about my my time in Detroit. It just kind of felt like it was time for, you know, kids were young enough that we're going to move one more time. That's the one move. Sure. So that got me from Detroit to Dallas. And, uh, you know, my first eight or so years in, in Dallas with the Rangers, uh, I loved it. I mean, I, I was having a lot of fun. Um, you know, ownership changed after that, and they just had a very different idea about what they wanted the broadcast to sound like. And, um, you know, they're, they're batting their ball, you know. I mean, so we kind of shook hands and walked away from each other because I, I really couldn't do what they were asking me to do, and they were very determined to to have a different sound on the broadcast, and uh, I just thought that that wasn't me, you know, and then I remembered Harry Callis quoting Shakespeare all the time when he was alive doing the Phillies game. He used to say, to I don't insult be true, and that just really stuck with me. You know, you gotta got to be who you are, and, uh, you know, if it wasn't a fit anymore in Texas, then I, you know, was just kind of okay to take the plunge and okay, I don't really know what's next, but I, I just know that my time is up here. You know, it's not going to work. And uh, that's when the Mets uh, opening came up and, and I thought that was a really, really good fit. I mean, that's the, the team I grew up rooting for and, you know, such a big fan of Howie Rose. And obviously it was WFAN and, uh, you know, all that just made it really attractive. And, and that seemed like home. That seemed like the right job. So, that's the, that's the bounce around, um, you know, and I, I envy the guys that can just get one job and keep one job, you know, because there are so many factors that, that you don't control in this business. You know, I mean, like I say, an ownership change or, uh, you know, just, just you don't know what it's going to be. So I look at guys that have been a certain place for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and uh, I marvel at that because that's a, that's a really neat little trick if you can do it. If I can go back to the the beginning of that, you talked about um, with Fox looking for at that point in time kids in their twenties and thirties uh, and and getting that opportunity. What did you learn as a a kid in your twenties and thirties, uh, being on that stage and being on that level and 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 being exposed to that that uh, maybe you don't learn if you're not there. And how did that help you grow into where you eventually became or what you eventually became? That's, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think the the mistake that I had embedded in my head is that the way you're perceived as a good broadcaster is if you just prepare the hell out of everything and know everything, you know, I mean, they're, they're just basically be a know-it-all, you know, like the more you know, the higher you'll get uh, in this business. And that's really not true. I mean, it's really, I mean, obviously you want to try to, to have a good base of knowledge. You need to know the game that you're broadcasting and know some of the, the characters in the play, so to speak. I mean, that's obviously true, but it really is more about presentation and comfort. You know, I mean, how are, if somebody's going to invest their time with you for three hours, they got to feel like that you're in control of the airplane. You know, I mean, nobody wants to, a pilot coming on the loudspeaker on a three-hour flight and being all over the place and stammering and saying, um, and, you know, changing his mind on something or saying, I'm not sure about this, but, and 
the, the thing that I, I really now appreciate about how amazing, for example, Joe Buck was at such an early age. I mean, sure, he had the preparation and he had all, you know, all the nuts and bolts, the delivery, you know, the voice, he had all that. But his ability to just stay calm in the moment and react to what's going on on the field and let you feel like he's got this. You know, there, there's, there's nothing that's going to happen that's going to throw him. There's never going to be a stammer. Costas, obviously, is the king of that, where you just never hear a, a, a thought that isn't perfectly worded. There's no hesitation. I mean, right now I'm hesitating because I'm walking in traffic and I'm looking around like, who the F is honking? You know, what is that? <laughs> and, and and it throws you. You know, I'd like to deliver you a nice, perfect sentence right now, but there's a lot of stuff going on. I'm stepping around dog poop and there's a horn going. And and that's kind of what network TV is. There's so much to process. There's so much going on. And you have to be cool as a cucumber. Jim Nance, I think, is amazing at that. You know, there's never a hair out of place, never a wasted breath. Everything's under control. And I think that more than anything, I mean, now if you look at, I mean, Joe Davis is great at that too, at, at 20, whatever he is. And I think that more than, oh, this guy knows a really cool story or a really cool stat, I, I think that's the thing that, that pushes younger people or anybody in this business to the top. It's just that ability to convey knowledge and confidence all in that package like that. Is there a secret to that? I don't know. That's a great question. I mean, for me, I, I know that I try to get better. Uh, I mean, I've got such a monkey mind. I've got, you know, ridiculous ADD, which in a way is a help. Like you say, we go back to how do you keep track of three different operations at one time? You're doing Mets and Chargers in UCLA. That's a, a party for my mind. I mean, I, I keep them totally engaged. There's so much going on and so much to know. I love that. But, uh, you know, the flip side of that is, if, if your mind is humming like that during a game, that's not good either. So, you know, I I tried to, to medicate myself early in my career, you know, knowing that ADD was a thing. Um, and that really slowed me down too much. I mean, you know, whether it's Ritalin or any of those drugs that are supposed to just kind of take the edge off. I don't think you want the edge off as a broadcaster. I think, you know, part of what what I enjoy about what I do is that I can convey passion and you know, it, it's probably healthier for you overall if you're just kind of coasting and, and you're chill and something happens and it doesn't throw you because you're on drugs. But <laughs> I'd rather try to have to deal with the ADD and, and manage it just kind of organically and still be able to react and notice things that are going on. I, just, I don't want to feel numb when I'm on the air. So, I mean, I'm certainly not a doctor. I'm not saying, hey, you know, don't put yourself on meds. If you need, if you need meds, be on meds. But uh, but for me, uh, yeah, the only thing I can think of is, you know, to your question, how do you get better at that? Um, I think the only thing at that point is, is reps, just like anything else, just like how you get better at play by play. It's just the more you practice it, being in that moment and dealing with all that stuff, the better you get. And I'll, I'll leave you with one quick, this just happened literally two or three days ago, just in terms of figuring out what's important and, and how to get, get through we had an incident on the Mets broadcast where Chris Christie, the governor of New Jersey, yeah. caught a foul ball. Yeah, yeah. And and I kind of and I bobbled it. I mean, I, cause I wasn't for sure it was him first of all, but and this is pulling the curtain way back. But there was just a lot going on in the booth at that time. We had had a you know the, there was a food delivery that came in. We're supposed to talk up the pizza product. 
uh, you know, the girls come in and like put it on my notes. So I'm like trying not to get pizza on my notes. I'm trying to move it all around. There was some wacky play on the field. I can't remember what it was. And we're still trying to unpack that. Uh, and then, oh, I think that's a foul ball to Chris Christie. I'm not sure that's Chris. So all this stuff's going on. And it's, you know, just a, again, a party for my, my monkey mind. But with all that was going on, I realized later, and it was actually pointed out to me by my boss, you know, I never actually identified who Chris Christie was. I just said, because I kind of sped right through it, you know, I said, oh, there's a local politician, I believe, that might have had a chance at that one. And, uh, you know, and the next day it had gone viral and, you know, we didn't have it. You know, I mean, if, if anybody wanted to sync our audio to the video, nobody could use it. And then, and that's of no help to the radio station, obviously. So it was brought to my attention that, hey, you know, when a million things are going on, the the most important thing always is still you got to serve the listener. You know, you, you just simply have to report what's happening. And that's, that's, that's such a great lesson. You know, I mean, if, if, if you're all worked up about something, if, you know, somebody's in your ear talking, uh, if there's a wacky play on the field, if you're, you know, whatever you're distracted by, just kind of keep following the ball and tell people what's happening. And that's job one, you know, you, you really can't go wrong if you do that. And, uh, that, that was, I mean, shoot, I'm in my almost late forties here and every day, you know, there, there can be a little teaching moment if you, if you open your eyes. And that's certainly something that sounds elementary in this business, but uh, you know, in, in, in the moment I didn't do it right. So, um, you know, it's a, a very good thing to, to learn from. Oh, is that one of those moments too, where you can like use people that are in the booth and use people that are on the air with you as a, as a crutch too. And I'm even thinking, you know, you talk about wacky plays in baseball where, you know, obviously there's a lot of moving parts or if you're talking about something in football uh, where you might miss something, but you catch something else where uh, is it sometimes easy if, if, if you just follow the ball and hone in on that one detail um, and let the other person maybe help you out and, and try not yep. to be one to kid, but just try to be. No, you're, 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 you're 100% right. You know, everybody, it's, it's, I hate to pull LeVar ball, but stay in your lane, you know, I mean, do, do <laughs> do what you're supposed to be doing and it'll all take care of itself. And, you know, I think that, and you know, that's probably a good place to, and I apologize for having to wrap up on you, but it's a good place to, to leave it because it's a good teaching thing for all of us in this business. Cause on kind of a macro scale, if you're so busy looking around, okay, what jobs are open and who do I have to call and what do I have to do and how can I make my tape sound a little bit better and how, you know, you're, you're thinking of a million things that aren't actually, am I doing a good job right now of describing what's going on in this game for however many people are listening to it? And I, I think you just have to trust the universe a little bit that, you know, if you, it, it's kind of, <laughs> it, it's a little Eastern religion-y, you know, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's very, very Buddhist to put it out there this way, but I believe it, that if you just concentrate on this one moment, you know, do the best you can with this one pitch, and then you do the best you can with the next pitch that by the end of the broadcast, you're going to have done a really good job and somebody may have heard it and you might get a better job, but that's the way to do it. it it's not, you know, being so fogged over by, oh, you know, when am I going to get out of single A or when am I going to get that promotion? Because I just think that can only bring you down. If you, It's a really tough thing to do, but I, I really believe it. If you can just stay in that moment of, okay, you know, pitch to pitch, or, you know, football play to football play, am I describing it correctly? I think everything else takes care of itself. 
That is Josh Lewin, the voice of the UCLA Bruins and the New York Mets here on Play by Playcast. For my money, by the way, and I'm doing this 100% off the top of my head, so it's going to be wrong. Um, I'm sure there are other ones in the conversation. Uh, and we talked about this when I had Dave Wills on a couple weeks ago. Uh, I love Dave Wills and Andy Freed. Like, they are, the, to me, like the premio of tandems in Major League Baseball. Um, and Dwayne Statz is really good on TV down there as well. Uh, the New York Mets crew is awesome uh, because you've got Josh, you've got Howie Rose, who I've been a huge fan of growing up listening to the New York Mets. Uh, and they've got Gary Cohen, who, to me, when people ask who I look up to as broadcasters, um, immediately Gary's in, I, I think, probably my top five. Um, it's usually like Gary, Ian Eagle is always in there. Um, so, I mean, tip of the cap to the Mets when it comes to full, full roster of broadcast talent, uh, what they have going on in Flushing. Um, speaking of Ian Eagle, by the way, this is a podcast. We all compete. Like, I want listeners. Everybody else wants listeners. All that stuff as well. But it's not like television. Uh, we're not all scheduled at the exact same time where you have to pick one. Uh, you can listen to multiple podcasts, and uh, and you should, which means you should go listen to Richard Deitch's SI Media podcast this week. Uh, if you have already, awesome. If you haven't, go find it. If you don't know what it is, go find it. Uh, Richard Deitch had Iron Eagle on this past week, and uh, it was phenomenal. If you get a chance to go listen to it, first off, Ian is one of the best people uh, in this business, and he's also one of the best broadcasters in this business, and far and away, I would say, the most underrated broadcaster in this business. Um, so he talks a lot about his story and his upbringing, how he got the New York, uh, the Brooklyn Nets job, then the New Jersey Nets job, uh, which is a stupid story. It's amazing. Uh, so go take a listen to, to how all of that unfolded and just Ian's personality and the way he and Richard Deitch interact. Uh, go find the SI Media Podcast from this week. If you like play-by-play and you like radio and you like television, go listen to, to Richard Deitch and Ian Eagle. Uh, you will uh, not be upset, I guess is the right way to raise that. You'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. That's, that's the way to put it. Uh, anyway, uh, we are out of time, so we will wrap things up here on episode number 58. Many thanks again to Josh Lewin for joining us. Many thanks to you for clicking subscribe and download. You know, I didn't do housekeeping notes right off the top. That's a bad job by me. Um, we're on Twitter, at PXPCast. I'm on Twitter, at Joel Godet. Uh, if you're interested in finding us or talking about us, uh, great. Uh, but until next week, we say so long. This is Play by Playcast. And we are out. Hit it, Marshmallow.